Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hello, hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, man. I think we're both like running around chickens like our head cut off. (laughs) I think it's just, it's mad and crazy this month. Like it's mad and crazy. It is mad. I don't know what's going on. I reckon there's some planets that are shifting around or doing something. (laughs) They're sending a lot of changes my way, shall I say. (laughs) (laughs) just when I think right okay I've got my plan sorted and then something else comes along and goes oh no you haven't here's (laughs) something new (laughs) I know I know oh my gosh yeah it is a bit bonkers it's bonkers I find all my clients like just everything is bonkers it's just this Mm. weird weird transition like everyone's just trying to keep their shit together um so if that is your experience of September then you're right where you need to be yeah (laughs) yeah and let's hope it all settles down in October. I hope so too. So mm. exciting news. Uh, I am stepping back into clinical practice a wee bit and I have just started a sexual health clinic on Fridays. My first thing was last good. Friday. Oh, how, and how was it? Well, I'm not going to make any money because I'm taking too long with patients, but that's <laughs> why I became a coach, which is great. Um, it is fantastic fantastic yes oh Oh my god I'm in my happy place because it's kind of a mix of clinical practice and all this stuff like contraception and STIs and PAPs and stuff like that and then also some coaching because people are coming in with like a lot of anxiety relating to being stuck in their relationship right and so Mm. I get to kind of pull out my coach hat with my physician hat on and oh my gosh I'm just like I'm rolling around in it I'm having like best life ever this is what I've been training for for 40 years yeah, I can see it written all over your face. Oh my gosh. And I get to fly my flag and be as like dirty bird as I want to. Because, <laughs> you know, it's so funny, like more and more parts of my life, I'm just like talking about sex with people all the time, like pretty much <laughs> at least five days of the week, sometimes seven. And I think what I really enjoy about that is like the more that I sort of normalize and the more comfortable that I mm. am, the more comfortable and at ease people are around me. So, yeah. uh, you know, creating a really affirming environment by being just this dirty old bird and so uh loving it flying my flag yeah right (laughs) yeah so exciting so if you find yourself in scarborough ontario canada uh swing on by the uh the house is a rockin lots of good stuff okay we'll Mm. remember that yeah good times anyways um yeah how are things going on your side of the planet things are good i had a last minute trip to the uk to take my daughter back to uni because Ah. um my ex-husband got COVID and couldn't go. Oh, God. So that was a, a definite last minute panic, oh, trying geez. to switch flights up, trying to organise car hire, trying to find trying to find documents, like all those oh, things. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, no, we did it. It was nice to go, um, even though I could have been doing with being here, but never mind. It was good. It was nice to see I settled, just move into a new place. Just made a, we made a room all really nice and cosy. Um, oh, so yeah, it was good. It wow. was good. And she's, she's good to hang out with. So yeah. I enjoyed it. See, you raised a good one. I did. She is. She's a good egg. And she's going into second year. Can you imagine, like yeah. when we started recording this podcast, she was still in high school. Oh, I know. I know. Isn't it nuts? 
Yeah. Yeah, it is nuts. Like, yeah. I blinked last what's, year. You were bringing her yeah. for her first year last year. I know. And what's even crazier, and I think about the fact that this time next year, she's going to be going into her final year. And I'm going oh, to Oh, she's like, only three years? That's her program? Three years, yeah. yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. What? And then she'll have to join the real world and get a job. <gasps> No. She's going to get more of a shock about that than I am. (laughs) Oh, you mean money doesn't grow on trees? (laughs) Oh, apparently not. (laughs) Oh, If it did, I'd be living a hell of a different life right Right? now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, girl. She's going to be, going to have a time. But, you know, it's part of adulting, part of growing up. Yep. so so nice. yeah no but it was good it was um it's nice to be back in the uk again and mm-hmm. um, so yeah it was good nice wonderful there was just something i saw that like apparently the britain is thinking of joining this european there's some sort of like european council for like defense or something like that which i'm like uh, anyway whatever that's probably neither here nor there but it's just there was just some interesting uk news but um Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I think the news has been completely overshadowed by um, Queenie's funeral. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. So yeah, yeah that has been. Um, we're now officially out of mourning, so oh, okay. the mourning period is over, and the flags will um, oh. be able to fly back at um, full mast. Okay. I see. Wow. Wow. That's quite a. Yeah. 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 It was quite. A, um, we did watch a little bit of the funeral yesterday, and um, yeah, it was quite the event. Wow. Gosh. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think us as the colonies are um, kind of reckoning with the fact that King Charles is going to be on our money. And I think in Australia, they're actually petitioning to kind of like have somebody else on the money. I can't remember what celebrity that they were venturing instead. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But us in the colonies are like, I mean, the Queen's face, we're like, oh, that's quite nice. But like Charles, like, are you serious? Like, do we have to have the guy on our money? I don't know. Like, it's it's really causing a lot of like, you know, like the chains to we're we're yeah, we're we're kind of getting a little feisty take a over long here. Time to wash through the system, though, right? No, I mean, things happen quickly. Recall. Yeah, yeah. But they're not just suddenly going to be able to recall. No. Um, shed loads of cash. I mean, what about all those people that have got buried amongst the mattresses? A hundred percent. The queen will be with us like for years. That. That's very, very true. That's very, very true. There's a lot of people don't trust banks. No, very, very true. Yeah, yeah. The, the queen's face we'll be seeing for a very long time. Yeah. Yes. It'll take a little, a little wee while to watch through, I think. A wee while, exactly. So um, you were in Leeds, but did you have time to step by the relationship desk of love? Miss Correspondent. I certainly did. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give it, a, give it to us. Okay, right. Today I've got a story about a couple that have been married for 30 years. Mm-hmm. They have seven children mm. and they have never had an argument and never what? raised voices at each other. What? No. Tell me more. I would like to say she is a relation, not a relationship coach. I've got relationship coaches on the head. <laughs> um, she is a life coach. Mm. Her husband works in marketing. Mm. The article itself, there were some experts that commented on it and they said it's absolutely like an unusual situation. Mm. You wouldn't normally get this, but they made a, a strong commitment at the start of their relationship not to have arguments and not to raise voices. And they kind of they have worked on that. And they said that um communication is a skill and not a gift. Mm-hmm. So they've been kind of flexing this muscle. Um, and they said that when when something does arise, then what they do is to always choose to be on the same side. So it's mm. never about this kind of one-upmanship and 
needing to be right or win an argument. It's about how do we stay on the same team. Mm. So it's the us versus the me and you as yeah. individuals. Yeah. Hmm. So it also, they also gave um, seven tips to um, to having a kind of happier, healthier, harmonious life together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we go. Um, share feelings and expectations. Mm-hmm. Challenge each other to grow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Read your partner's body language. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. And said, never go to bed on an argument. Which I was a bit kind of like, mm. Mm. but it's said for different reasons so not for the reasons mm. that you think. Mm. So when we go to sleep at night, we process all of the events that have happened during the day and we start to kind of lay down this cognitive coding in the brain. Mm-hmm. And it said what you don't want to do is turn uh, turn that kind of view of your partner in a point when you're kind of at your least happiest into a belief about them. So it's mm-hmm. about not kind of miscoding information into your brain so not going to bed with kind of resentment and that's the kind of message that you're laying down Mm. in your subconscious so I thought okay I get that um oh avoid using the word should Mm -hmm. we've talked Mm -hmm. about that on the podcast before Mm -hmm. it's like communication 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 Uh (laughs) uh-huh yes yes I don't think we've ever mentioned that on the podcast (laughs) oh it's our favorite c word it is (laughs) and then uh, lastly it says don't sabotage something good so it said really believe in a healthy relationship believe that it's possible and believe that it is um you know you you can have a relationship without having arguments and major post-ups and disagreements wow okay believe in harmony yeah don't sabotage something good oh my that's a huge one there's a whole bunch Mm. of stuff in there for sure we do that a lot yeah, I have also read, is a bit of a counter to that, I've read kind of other things around the fact that actually arguments can be good for your relationship. And mm-hmm. we've talked about it before on the podcast, so I'm not sure I fully subscribe to kind of, you know, how they have approached things. But what I would say is if it works for you and that um, that approach to each other in your relationship and that connection to each other is is something that, you know, you see as being quite a successful thing and it brings out the best in you, then why not go for it? Mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, you are trying to follow a path that isn't necessarily possible for you because you do have things that you need to express and talk about and maybe you need to express them in a slightly different way and that helps you to grow and to bond and to, and to develop with each other then maybe you know having some disagreements aren't such a bad thing it allows you to uncover more about each other oh 100 and as a feisty greek woman i'm like well part <laughs> greek i'm like yeah we don't we don't converse without like raising our voices or getting emotional <laughs> so i'm a very emotional person um but yeah so for folks like myself um the thing is, I really mistrust relationships when they say we don't fight because I mm. take, unless they convince me otherwise, it means you're not communicating. Yeah. So, and you're burying stuff under the rug. So mm. it's really important to get what you feel out. Sometimes if you have to raise your voice and get hurt and frustrated, um, just tip, don't punch below the belt. No. You know, and we all do. We all do. But just you'll notice that you say stuff, you can't take stuff back once it's yeah. out there. So just play nice if you can. Mm. You can argue, you can raise your voice, you can get upset and cry and scream. Um, But just, you know, there's certain things, and I've learned this, is like there's certain things that are sacred in relationship. Even if you know it, you don't state it out of love and respect of your partner. Because, yeah, going below the belt is really dirty and it just, it erodes Mm. and breaks things. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah it does I think it is about choosing the methods and the the ways that work for you because in some relationships raised voices wouldn't wouldn't work maybe you've got some you know kind of um hidden feelings from the past where that always represented a certain um situation to you and you don't want to be reminded of that and that's not how you want to be spoken to or or speak to to another person and so it is about finding that kind of way other other relationships may be kind of you know more feisty by nature and actually a good kind of you know scream and match as long as it isn't below the belt is mm-hmm. what clears the air and then you kind of kiss and make up and everything's great again so it is finding that that balance but the key thing is that you do still communicate so whether you're you see it as an argument or not an argument or whether it's confrontational or not, it is about that communication, but in the healthiest possible way. You got it. Now, and you raise a point is that if somebody is triggered and shuts down mm. by yelling and screaming in conflict because they had an abusive relationship and they have a trauma history, so for sure that is something they'll want to bring out and say, look, when you yell at me, I stop listening yeah. and I shut down. So yeah. that's not going to work for us and we have to find another way to communicate. And that's fair game. Yeah. That's fair yeah. play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To all the emotional folks out there, I see you, I hear you, I am you. <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. we all have moments, right? Like where something just takes over and it's that kind of a flick of a switch, isn't it? And mm. yeah, where your oh, emotions when we're just, yeah. Oh, when we're hurt or embarrassed, oh yeah. my gosh, or feel disrespected, uh, yeah. watch out. All of yep. those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we um, do a hot topic? Oh, indeed. Today's hot topic. Don't take your partner's oxygen away. Ah, yes, I love it. (laughs) I love it. Okay, okay. I know we're going to be coming at this from different sides. As always. So I guess the question here is, what is the oxygen in your relationship and how mm-hmm. do you not take it away from your partner? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Start us off. Where, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, leading on from that, um, the relationship um, news, I think that communication is really key because if you can't communicate, if you can't, um, you know if you should there's nothing worse than being shut down by your partner I think mm-hmm. and if you feel that you are being silenced and um, belittled I think anything that makes you feel kind of small and less of yourself means that your oxygen is being taken away mm-hmm. so for me that's what I would say and, and I think that maybe this is different for different people because if you know if for me it's important to I don't know, be quite gregarious with my partner and and ha- really kind of have that touchy-feely, be quite, um, you know, flamboyant or express mm. myself and have lots of conversation. Then something that kind of stops that would say to me, there's something wrong in this relationship. I can't be myself. I can't mm. be who I want to be. I've got to marginalize myself. I've got to put myself in a smaller box. Like, mm-hmm. And if I'm doing that, then I'm going to feel like I can't breathe. I'm going to feel like I'm suffocated. I'm going to feel like I'm less of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not going to make anybody happy, is it, really? Mm. I mean, you're you're so right. And having to tiptoe around people, and I've had people describe um, that they may not feel put in a box in a certain mm. setting but they realize when they leave the setting they finally take a breath they're fine oh, oh god yes right 
too right. There's nothing worse than, I think, being in your own home environment and not being able to be yourself or feeling like you've got to tiptoe around or you've got to watch your P's and Q's. You've got to kind of, if you're feeling this pressure to perform and to be a certain way, Mm-hmm. And then it's not until you actually leave that environment and realize, you know, maybe you're out with friends and you can just be completely different or mm-hmm. daft or any of those things and just let your kind of personality shine. And if you can't do that in your home, own home environment, somewhere where you're supposed to feel safe and protected yeah. and, at, you know, at ease from everything else in the rest of the world, like how shit is that? Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. Yes. Yes. Like there are so many relationships where we inadvertently or sometimes as David Schnark would have said, calling it the normal marital sadism is where we intentionally torture our partners by withholding Mm. things or making them tiptoe around us or not loving the things that they love about themselves. Yeah. And making us hold our breath around Mm. them and in our relationship. Yeah. That's the oxygen being starved. Yeah. (gasps) And it's just like, and when you think about it, if you're looking from the outside in, you would ask yourself the question, like, why would anybody put up with that? But we know the reason that people put up with it is because of fear of what's on the other side, fear of um, that I'm not good enough for somebody else. Like, often it's that kind of self-esteem, that confidence, that ability to speak up for yourself. If you were silenced a lot as a child, then mm-hmm. um, being able to speak up for yourself as an adult is near bloody impossible. And mm-hmm. it takes then a lot of practice, a lot of skill, a lot of determination to say, actually, I'm not going to be that person anymore. You've got it. And mm. these things come on gradually, right? Yeah. So if some, if this sort of oxygen seeping sort of kind of oxygen stealing environment were present at the start, nobody would. But the thing is, yeah. sometimes people love bomb at the beginning of a relationship. Mm. Um, this manipulation comes on very slowly. I was just having a conversation with a fellow coach this morning about, you know, if you're a professional woman, it's very hard to find men if you're um, you know, sexual orientation is towards men, um, who, who really accept you as a professional independent woman. And at the very start of the relationship, they can be like, oh, I love an independent woman. Mm. And I really honor what you do in that. But very slowly, there starts to be these red flags, but they're yellow flags, very, very silent, little quiet, little tips that say, this person is not okay with your independence. And they Mm. start to kind of control you and tone police you and start to kind of build a smaller and smaller box. So the thing is, is like, we become bound one tiny little mm. adjustment to that box at a time. And those handcuffs come on us very slowly. Yeah, I think that can happen. But I think it can also happen that we're so desperate for love in a relationship that we accept so much more than we should do. Oh, well, that is true. So we start to rationalize other people's behavior. And then we kind of then, you know, we counter that with, oh, but they're a really good person because they do, you know, they empty the dishwasher and they're, bring me flowers on a Saturday or you know they they think about me occasionally and send me a text message we start to kind of rationalize some of the poorer behaviors with some of the positive behaviors but if you took a step back and weighed the balance up you're kind of you're massively out of kilter there yeah you're right yeah you're absolutely right oh my gosh yeah so it's super common to steal somebody somebody else's oxygen um I, I guess the way I see it because it's for me it's not just communication it can be withholding a love withholding affection yeah. withholding physical touch withholding sex and that's yeah. 
a topic near and dear to my heart, which is withholding <laughs> sex and all the trauma and the how common it is and 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 how what a knife that digs into your very being. Um, but it really is like you're withholding the language of love that your partner thrives on. So you know what your partner thrives on and you withhold it. Yeah, but it's it's withholding anything that makes you whole as a person. Mm. Ah, okay. Say more about that. So if you've got certain things that make you whole, that make you feel topped up, that make you feel like you're just in flow and sync with your life, and you need those to be present... As soon as your partner starts to withhold those things or take those things away from you, anything that kind of, you know, clips your wings, it stops you from being a whole person. And therefore, there's something, there's a gap in your life, in in your kind of happiness tank. Right. So let's speak. So because the hot topic is don't withhold somebody else's oxygen. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's say you are the offender. And a lot of it, listen, every single one of this. I own this too. I have withheld oxygen from Mm. the things that my partner enjoys and what makes them thrive. I've done it. We've all done it. We've done it on purpose. I actually think it's one of the easiest things to do is to withhold things because we come at it with a completely different mindset. So the mindset isn't, if somebody said to you, um, kind of, you know, would you withhold sex from your partner just because you could or to spite them? Your answer would probably be no, like I would no. never be that person. Well, like, no. <laughs> so be, yeah. but our kind of vision of life doesn't allow us to see the reality that that's what we're doing. And it's mm-hmm. playing out because there's something else underneath where we've got our own needs or um, wants or desires that aren't being met. But also we probably haven't explored them or shared them or looked for other ways to get them met. And it's a reaction. So often when we're withholding something, it's a reaction to a situation that isn't often on the surface. It's below the surface. Mm-hmm. And we've not processed it. We've not dealt with it. And it comes out in different ways. And, you know, we turn into that kind of petulant child that um, takes our stuff and goes and sits in the corner for a bit. Yeah. Which is, well, I'm not happy, so I'm not going to let you be happy. Yeah. I'm going to withhold the thing that makes you happy. I think it's also a, I'm not happy and I, I'm going to do this so that you realize I'm unhappy and then you'll come and you'll try and figure out why I'm unhappy and then we can get back to being happy again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some illogical logic Absolutely. There. <laughs> Absolutely. And it never, ever works. Ever. No. Personal experience. Never. That's absolutely true. It, it doesn't work, but we still do it. And we do it because we can't say to somebody, I feel unhappy about this. Can we have a chat about it? Totally. So if we're speaking to ourselves and starting to build our own insight to the ways mm. that we're withholding something, our own partner's oxygen, how might we become insightful to that fact? What might tip us off that we're withholding something that our partner wants or needs? I think there's a few things really and I think it's about um, we've kind of discussed this type of method before I think in the past but really um, using a period of 24, 48 hours as a period of reflection Mm. and really thinking about um, you know from the moment that I got up if we replay it if we think about our lives as a movie and we're replaying that we're watching it on television and we start you know um, today's Tuesday to try and think what day it is Um, (laughs) (laughs) really sure um, days, so yeah. let's say I went back to Sunday Sunday morning and I start to think about okay Sunday morning I got up what did I do um how did I interact with my partner what did I think about them 
um what did I what kind of stories did I create about a relationship what actions did I take how did I Mm. speak to my partner what things did I um enjoy doing what did I not do in enjoy doing and then you know we start to build up this picture and almost kind of do a bit of a timeline maybe that Mm -hmm. starts to work out some of the points and where kind of things worked really well and where things didn't work so well I think you also know if you can sit and reflect you'll know there's those kind of bite points in your stomach where you go probably wasn't such a nice person Mm. um you know and I had a conversation with my partner just the other day and I said to him I realize I haven't been nice about these things that we've Mm. been going through recently and I'm sorry about that and he you know his Mm. response was well you know you haven't not been nice it's you know the we're just in this situation right now and things are being difficult and so you can get these points but if you can reflect on it and say, actually, I'm not proud of myself in that moment, or I can tell that there was something going on, I don't know what it is, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I know that something was unsettling me, and I know that my reaction was this, hmm. then you can start to unravel some things, because I think we do know, um, hmm. I think we know in our heart, and in you know, in that kind of intuition and in our gut, that what we did or how we spoke to somebody or how we treat them maybe wasn't quite right. I love that. And and I'm going to come back to something that you um, brought us before is um, the Gottman studies where they sort of looked at successful relationships mm. and found that there was a five to one ratio of like five positive things for every negative mm. thing, word, action, deed in a relationship. And that predicted if you're over the five to one ratio, your relationship is probably on solid yeah. ground. So if I took that same 25 to 24, 48 hour diary mm. And I recorded all the times that I had an opportunity. I'm curious about the times, not what I did, but what I didn't do. Yeah. And if there was an opportunity to, well, my partner loves when I bring this breakfast item or when I bring them, you know, tea in bed, or if I write them a note or a text message, mm-hmm. or if I give them a massage at bedtime, my partner loves these things. And if I am seeing the opportunity, but yet not yeah. taking the action, I am withholding their oxygen. And if I'm not sort of hitting that five to one, it means that I'm part of the problem I'm withholding. Yeah. And it's that bit where you, it's not even just seeing the opportunity and not taking it. It's seeing the opportunity and actively withholding it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's even worse, right? Like, yeah, because then that's where we've got the malice. It's, mm-hmm. And we're not doing it because we're mean, nasty people generally. We're doing it because there's something else that's hurt us and we feel like, we're not in you know we haven't been treated fairly why should they be treated fairly when I'm not treated fairly and that's not really how it works is it we've got to be responsible and accountable for our own behaviors and then Mm -hmm. we let our partner be responsible for theirs you've got it I mean Mm -hmm. in a healthy relationship filling up the other person's cup or putting a little nice little brandy in it should mean that that person then is motivated to fill a bit of brandy in our cup yeah or Prosecco or whatever you'd like to, to drink. But, you yeah, know, definitely we're often <laughs> at this point with the September, weeks. <laughs> it's been a go. It's been a go. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. So, you know, whatever it takes to be able to fill our cup, mm. it's just a little bit of energy so we can extend that energy, even if we might not absolutely feel it. Yeah. Just doing the action sometimes, providing the oxygen, even if you're feeling hurt and you're having a bit of a victim mode or an anger moment, mm. is if you still 
continue to fill your partner's cup, it should, in a healthy relationship, read the words back to yeah. you. Because uh, we can certainly see the downside of not doing that. Yeah. If that's just a corrosive uh, sort of spiral into the drain of your relationship. Yeah. The, the other question I'd consider asking yourself is, if I had to admit to my partner or somebody else exactly how I'm behaving, how proud would I be? Oh, and how prepared would I be to share that information freely? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm just sitting here being like, I have not shown up in an exemplary fashion in much of my relationship. And it's true. Like, we all... We yeah. all do it. So this isn't about kind of... Um, this isn't about beating anybody up or shaming people or judging people's behavior. I get it. I get why we kind of have some weird and wonderful behaviors, especially in relationships. Key thing is, though, that we can learn from situations, we can learn from our behavior, and we can grow and we can choose to be a better person. We've all got that gift within us, and it's whether you choose to take that path or not. Yeah, you've got it. Okay. All righty. Okay. Spicy <sighs> week. Big breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're all going to go in and have some thinking time now. Yeah. <laughs> but before we do, shall we take a little question? <laughs> yes, let's go. Okay. Today's question. I'm estranged from my sibling. I feel deep shame. Should I try to speak to them again? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I read hmm. something recently that said one in three, and I don't know if this statistic is true or not, one in three people have an estranged relationship with a sibling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I was little, because I was a, one of four, and, uh, you know, it was a tough environment. My parents were uh, in constant discord. And, and, and at that time when we were little, we always kind of just we always promised each other that we would never be breakable mm. and we would all stay together. And that's actually not panned out. Yeah. Um, the forces of life have um, unfortunately sort of led us, led us astray in terms of our relationships and mm. estrangement. Um, it's weird how sometimes you can have the best intention. The interesting thing is that you are, you are people who are bound together by circumstance, but yeah. not by choice. Mm. And that is a very, interesting it it places a lot of interesting feeling of obligation about the relationship sibling relationships are very complicated because Mm -hmm. they're not ones we choose but yet we feel obligated to serve them yeah and there can be a lot of manipulation and negative kind of loops of and really poor boundaries Mm -hmm. really kind of toxic stuff kind of wrapped up in these relationships and often we inherit the lack of boundaries and the toxic sort of behaviors from our parents mm. and it can kind of play out in our sibling relationships. Yeah. And so it's not easy at all, despite best intentions. I think it's really hard as well with um, sibling relationships because I don't think we ever move on from that childhood kind of place or role that we played. Mm. So if you're in a, you know, like you say, you're one of kind of many and you will each have played a role in that family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very difficult to shake off some of those roles and become, and to show up as the person that you are in every other kind of walk of uh, an area of your life. Mm-hmm. As soon as it comes back to those relationships, it's almost like an elastic band, pings you straight mm-hmm. back to being seven again. 
and you kind of you know you see it when families get together at Christmases and holiday times where instantly kind of you know to the point where people will sit in the same seats at dinner that <laughs> sat in you know it's that kind of mm. or if so you know if um you know if Mary always gets the plates out and sets the table then hmm. she kind of slips into that same role and you know it's and and that plays out across kind of the full dynamic of the relationship in, including kind of when it comes to arguing um you know taunting all of those um some of those kind of not nice traits and behaviors that we show in family dynamics in relationships so it's in some ways it's more complicated than kind of a one-on-one partner partnership because there's so much more to factor in there and you can't quite kind of shake off that history can you Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, because I'm the bitchy, bossy, oldest <laughs> child. And I was mean and judgmental and small minded. And yeah, and that's how I remain mm. in the in the view of my siblings. Like, and I get it. I was a total jerk. Um, and, and I've shaken that a lot. Like I've, I've actually grown and sort of, you know, realize that I can't control other people and yeah. and but that unfortunately yeah I rubber band right back and I'll never be able to reform that the way that I was before but in it, the eyes of my yeah but siblings. it takes two though right like or in your case more than two because other people have to then accept that we've changed and we find that difficult to accept that somebody's changed because then what does that say about us mm. what does that say about who we are um, I was comfortable before because I knew where I was at and I knew my place and now you've changed mm-hmm. I don't know where I fit in that anymore so I won't let you change in my mind yeah. and I'm going to keep you in the same role exactly yeah so this person expresses now it's interesting I want your take on this person expresses deep shame yeah about the fact that they have an estranged relationship shame yeah what do you think is why that why the choice of that word I think because that represents you know, often when we can see those fundamental relationships that we are supposed to be bonded to mm. and um, and have a strong attachment. And, you know, your family is supposed to, and I'm saying supposed to because there are a lot of people who aren't in this situation, mm-hmm. is supposed to be your kind of, your safety net, your catch-all. They're the people that you rely on. They're the people that know you the most or the deepest, the longest, the, you know, have that great wisdom about who you are. And they should be the people that are championing you and, you know, that they're your cheerleaders. Now, often this isn't the case. So as we've just talked about, people like to kind of pull other people down. You can get real intense jealousies in, inside of families where people won't allow you to succeed. They won't allow you to kind of show that side of you. And if you're in this, this where you, I think the shame part of it comes from, I failed at this family connection and Mm -hmm. this isn't how things are supposed to be so there's this view of families are supposed to stick together they're supposed to support each Mm -hmm. other our family just doesn't work like that and this person can't accept that that's just how things have played out this person is still longing for things to be different and is taking full responsibility for this and I think that's where some of that deep shame comes from yeah okay that makes sense and here um just sort of looking at a a definition of shame, mm. which is a painful feeling of humiliation yeah. or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong behavior. Yeah. So for there to be shame, there has to be this, just like you say, this perception of wrong, that yeah. us not getting along is wrong. It's because bad. right. It's a bad situation. It's a and I need bad, to, yeah. yeah. And I need to feel that raw yeah. emotion because of that. Yeah. Humiliation. Yeah. And distress. Like those are horrible. 
But it's this perception from the world, though, that we should have a, a strong family dynamic. I mean, we see it in movies all the time, right? Like, people talk about it. They talk about how, you know, that family unit, that family creation is what we're all seeking. It's what we all need mm-hmm. for that security. And if you haven't got that, you you know, it's almost like you're not in the in crowd. Like, you know, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't picked for the team. I'm not part of that. Then what's wrong with me? So it's like it's connected with so much more and we start then with this self-judgment but sometimes we need to take a step back and say actually we didn't get on we were two completely different people um Mm -hmm. you know we're never going to get on if I look at it we had Mm -hmm. you know you can be from the same family and have completely different value sets Mm -hmm. you can be from the same family and have completely different background experiences and all of those things mean that actually as two people you don't get on and we shouldn't be forced to build these relationships long lasting with people who we're never going to get on with. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. how wrong is that? Agreed. <laughs> That's what's wrong in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. The expectation of this ongoing relationship forever harmonious it, it is just painful and re-traumatizing to expect people to. And, and you know, there's seasons of the Northern North American calendar year that really tra- trigger this, which is thanksgiving this feeling that everybody should be harmoniously around the dinner table well that's why a lot of people are doing friendsgiving which is the family that you've chosen you know the winter holidays is another huge trigger where people feel fomo and a sense of loss and it's really hard like i get it i've been there i get it there's nothing worse than feeling like everyone else is having such a great time at christmas and you're not Mm -hmm. and everyone else has got their family around them and you haven't yeah. Like, yeah. and when we, we put ourselves against this comparison with these people, a lot of the time that we don't even know, yeah. um, Instagram. all we're doing is setting ourselves up for failure, right? Like, you instead of it. saying it's just a day, um, mm-hmm. it's just a period of time, I can choose to spend it. If it wasn't Christmas, would I be bothered? <laughs> and the answer is no, you probably wouldn't be. So, why are yeah, you bothered totally. just because it's Christmas Day or yeah. Thanksgiving or any other kind of holiday? Yeah, you've got it. I feel like we want to sort of place a soothing balm over yeah. any of that sense of humiliation of a right or wrong to mm. a sibling relationship. Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing that we get hung up about when we when we have these comparisons and we have these moments is because we've got a fixed view about how life should be. And when we're not following that path, then that, that brings us this kind of disharmony and discomfort mm-hmm. that we then find it quite difficult to to explain. And and it's always about kind of what mean and my place and on this, what what does this situation say about me and what am I telling myself around it? Because that's mm. the bit to get to the bottom of, because that's the bit that's causing the shame. Yeah, you've got it. So how, you know, how might somebody evaluate like, OK, there's this relationship. We've been estranged. We haven't been mm. in contact. What's a way to sort of assess like what would be the benefit of sort of extending an olive branch or attempting a reach out of a communication if if at all like would there be any benefit i think before you even get to that stage you have to look at the reasons why you want to reach out ah yeah yeah. what is it that yeah. you know why am i doing this what am i what am i hoping to achieve how different do i think things are going to be have i done this before <laughs> and how successful was it i mean mm-hmm. god been there kind of many times where you've been in a situation where you kind of try and try again we see it with friends as well yeah we try and try with this relationship because we think well you know been friends for a long time or you know it's my, it's my sister it's my brother you only get one of them or you know maybe multiple but you know I've only mm-hmm. got this one particular relationship and so we start to kind of 
we start to almost kind of negatively justify it to ourselves about why we should be doing mm-hmm. it instead of saying you know what do I hope to gain from having this relationship back in my life yeah I, I agree how is it going to help me how is it not going to help me and which yeah. one which path do I want to follow and how is it going to help them Am I a positive force in this person's life or am I actually really yeah. negative for them? Yeah. Um, something that um, this strange thing. So my one side of the family has always been one to always call each other on birthdays and holidays and stuff mm. to the point that like this, there was a lot of discord in my family. It's not a comfortable thing to have one or two or three people always reaching out or, you know, you always have to call them for their birthday. Yeah. It's kind of like you have to give your uncle a hug. It's obligatory. Yeah. It's it's really really toxic and so I kind of had to check myself because for a time I would be you know contacting one of my siblings or leaving them messages on their birthday and then I realized that's actually like totally assaulting them it does them no benefit and it's just from I'm calling them for my benefit to make myself feel better yeah so check yourself and stop freaking calling because I you know and and part of the assessment as to why I'm not in touch is like, I don't think I lend their life joy and happiness. So, Mm. you know, is it good for me? Probably not. Is it good for them? No, not at all. So let them be, be at peace. Yeah. Don't do anything out of obligation. It goes back to that kind of should word, you know, take that out. If you're saying I should be friends with my siblings, then Mm -hmm. um, I would question that. Yeah, you've got it. Mm. You've got it. Like Everything we talk about in this podcast, shame does nobody any good ever. Mm. Yeah. We remove the shame and then we assess things. And if we're like, meh, if it weren't for the shame, I'd be feeling quite fine with the arrangement. Then yeah. there's your answer. <laughs> yeah, <you> got it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Wow. oh. It feels like a eucalyptus balm on the chest, like the Vicks Vapor Rub of my heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's important to talk about some of these things though you know these are things that often don't get discussed particularly around family dynamics i think yeah we're very um we keep things close to our chest keep things very private but in doing so we don't actually then find out that a lot of people are in the same situation we're not normalizing it we're not yeah. we don't then get kind of support and understanding from other people mm-hmm. when we hold things too close you've got it and don't trust instagram we're <laughs> heading into thanksgiving series you know season don't listen and follow Instagram. I was speaking with a friend today who said that, you know, the toxic parenting, the the toxic positivity parenting mm. mama, amazing hashtag blessed on Instagram. Um, she knew of a person who admitted to like when shit was hitting the fan with her kid and they were on their last nerve and the place was a mess, they would still kind of clear up a little corner of their house, get their kid up in something cute, take some photos, throw yeah. it up on the gram and, you know, it's it's all for the gram. And in their most yeah. desperate times, they would still create this little sort of facade of fake, you know, positivity. Yeah. And we do that on Thanksgiving yeah. pictures. Pumpkin pictures are going to start to come up. And yeah. just, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh, we're so hashtag blessed. No, the, the, everybody is having a rough time of it. And so yeah. there's no such thing as should. There's no such thing as like normal um you're you're carving out your own little community and your own little Mm. you're finding your people and sometimes your people are not the people you share genetics with and it's okay exactly well said madame well said yeah (laughs) Hmm. oh 
All right. Well, it's um, approaching the end of the day, yeah? Yeah. I feel like today's gone really quickly. I don't know. Um, I don't know why, how, but it's sped by. It was like a tornado. September's yeah. like this tornado. It's crazy. Mm. Every day. I think it's going to be October and we'll be like, what? But not sort of like, a, oh, that was such a fun month. Like August. What a fun month. September will be like, <laughs> holy shit. I blinked and missed it. <laughs> blinked, missed it. And it's I, also, it's one yeah. of those time periods, isn't it? Where it's like, what have I actually done? Like, I don't know. I feel like everything is just it's kind of discombobulated. By. It's a crazy month of change. Mm. Yes. It is. It yeah. is indeed. Okay, well, so yeah. we know where we'll be here next week, or we know where we will be next week, right here. We do indeed, right yeah. here, right here. All right, all right. Thanks, Till next Sarah. time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.